Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. Today, we're interviewing Orge Reichenberg, Chief Creative Officer at VML YNR Health. Lovely to see you today, um, Orge. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Good to see you too, my dear. I think you and I have been chatting now off and on for a couple of years, haven't we? we have, well, absolutely, we have. So, um, old, old just jumping in, Orge, tell us a little about about where you're from, who you are, and you know your experience working in the the, the, the marketing and brand and advertising spaces. Happy to. Um, all right, so don't let my accent fool you. I've actually had my entire career here in New York. Uh, approximately, gosh, um, almost 40 years. And I would say um, half of it was in general advertising, half of it was in health advertising, but there was a giant overlap between the two in the middle. Um, And I've done all of it at the biggest agencies in New York City, uh, like McCann, FCB, and now VML, Y&R. And I even started my career at Y&R back in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> so, so, um, so, tell us about tell us a little bit about VML Y&R Health and what their mandate is. Um, our mandate actually is um, creating connected health experiences. And what that means is it's not uh, not enough to to just sell the right medicine uh, to the right physicians or or the patients who need it, um, but to actually make the whole experience um, a richer one and an experience in which they are always connected to um, the the I would say the information that they need um, and it's hitting them at the right moments. But overall, the experience extends far more than just selling. We think about what patients and doctors need in their lives just to make their lives easier. And that's where we try to reach out and go a little bit further than just uh, information about uh, the medicines and the devices that we uh, we represent. Wonderful. So uh, there's a huge emphasis on brand purpose in marketing now. Um, where did this come from? How's it evolving? You know, where is where did brand purpose start in the first place? It's a very interesting question, actually. All I can say is the first time I heard it was about fifteen years ago when this phrase was coined at a huge agency where I was working. I won't say where, um, but their their call to action was that a brand must play a meaningful part in people's lives. I fell in love with that phrase, and I, I still um, adhere to it. And um, so, so how do you think that's evolving? I mean, if, if do you think brands are playing a, a major part in people's lives, or do you think it's just sort of lip service? I think outside of health, a lot of brands are certainly trying to do that, and some of them are achieving it better than others. In health, we're definitely trying to. I'm not sure that it's always it's really been um, achieved. To be honest, and I know that here at VML YNR, uh, we are really making uh, a point of sharing with our clients our vision um, for how their brands can play a meaningful part in people's lives and actually have a sense of purpose 
Uh, and it goes beyond, as I said, just the education of a medicine or a device. It has to go into all of the parts of a person's life that's affected by the condition that they live with. Right, wonderful. So uh, what kind of major issues do you think brands should be taking a stand on? I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of people sort of jumping on the bandwagon of the issue of today. Um, what, do you, what do you think brands should be doing about this? Um, well, brands are brands. Um, they're here to serve people. I'm not sure that they should be political per se, but through their behavior, it should become very, very apparent um, that a brand is on the right side of uh, diversity, equality, and inclusion, that they're on the right side of human rights, access to healthcare, those sorts of things. Um, and it's through their behavior, as I said, rather than them coming out and making sort of a political stance on something. That's it's really not their job to do that. They're here to serve. Right. And uh, how do you think advertisers should integrate brand purpose in their content? Because you know, we all saw that all those dreadful COVID ads <laughs> were all in this together and everyone was doing an anthem COVID spot. You know, that was sort of uh, that was pretty much lip service to brand purpose. Um, but how do you think advertisers should do it in an authentic way in their content? I mean, maybe, maybe that is the, re- the way that they should do it in an authentic way. But uh, tell me what your thoughts are. I think if their content contains ideas and help and aid um, in a person's life, someone who is suffering with a particular condition, I think that, again, everything that the brand is doing has to look across the person's whole life. People call this the journey. But sometimes it's not like the whole journey from the moment they're diagnosed um, uh, to the end of their life. Sometimes it's actually within a very short period of time. For example, when they're signing up um, and there's a lot of paperwork to go through, what can be done to make that much simpler? How can we make the physician's life simpler? They're also being buried under paperwork. All the way through to someone with multiple sclerosis, can we help them in how they design or set up the furniture in their home? so that they can actually get around more easily. Are there new devices, for example, people with um, uh, rare diseases? Um, There is a rare disease, PKD, where someone actually has to monitor every tiny amount of protein that goes into their body because they're, they're that sensitive to it. We need devices that help people to keep control of that. It goes beyond the medicine, in other words, to how a brand can help a person in their lives. And when that happens, the person thinks about that brand far more than just, oh, they're the guys that make the medicine I'm on. They actually say, no, those are the guys who actually care about me and have made a real difference in my life. Because a person's life isn't just the medicine, it's everything, it's their relationships. It's even whether or not they can have relations with the person that they love without um, having a a disability hold them back or having a a shyness or an awkwardness about it or knowing how to bring up a difficult subject um, with a loved one or with a friend or perhaps with a a workmate. There are so many ways in which brands can help a human being at every part of their life, in every part of their lives. And advertisers haven't done it enough, um, but our clients are starting to really open up their hearts and their minds to this kind of advertising. And we're doing everything we can to show them how it can benefit them in the end. Wonderful. So what do you think some of the benefits of cha- and challenges brands have working with more traditional media? Obviously, we know that people are moving away from advertising-driven content. They're moving on to 
streaming platforms and social media and so on. What, what do you think? What do you think the benefits and challenges brands have to make this type of content? Um, well, if we talk about the benefits of advertising on traditional mediums. Obviously, there are clients who are still feeling very, very comfortable with the traditional mediums. And um, to a degree, they're tried and true. And it still offers um, a good return on investment for some. That being said, the challenges are that many marketers are sadly missing out right now on the platforms that people really are going to, where their eyeballs really are. And that's the streaming platforms. Um, very few audiences, um, except for much older people um, or perhaps folk that um, just really don't have access to technology. Um, but the majority of audiences are not really going to ABC, CBS and NBC. They're on Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO and so on. Um, those marketers that embrace these new mediums will outsmart their competitors because their meaningful, purposeful message is now where the people have actually gone. Oh, and, and no small thing. If the content's good enough, the streaming platforms will actually pay the marketers for their content. Hello? <laughs> um, this is content that um, may appear uh, as a docuseries or as documentaries because those engage and educate and actually fascinate right? Being long form, they can also really hit um, a deeper, long lasting emo emotional chord in a person. You know, when you see a movie that's had meaning to you, it stays with you, doesn't it? Kind of sticks with you. Um, and that's what great content, I believe, can do when it is longer form. And that can do so much more than an ad that's just an ad. People have got to the point where they don't really want to be sold something. Um, they want to be um, opened up um, to a story that lets them know, oh, this is a wonderful thing that happened to people that were marginalized, disadvantaged, disabled, perhaps held back because of a condition. And, oh, look, um, the story has come from a particular brand. Wow, that brand must really care about those people. It changes your mind entirely about that brand so that when you are going after a particular medicine, then you go, oh, it's by that brand that um, I know cares about people. Huh. I feel so much better about taking this medicine. Absolutely. So, so healthcare, talking about healthcare, healthcare comes with a mixed reputation. I mean, ironically, it's called healthcare. Uh, but there's been some some mixed um, there's a mixed image around pharma. Let's be real, uh, and you know healthcare has the opportunity for innovation and life saving. Um, but but what does big pharma do about their their mixed reputation? You know that what are the mix the unique strengths and challenges that come with exploring brand purpose in healthcare? I think the brands are especially the big ones, they're terribly, terribly sensitive um, to the fact that the public eye hasn't always been kind to them, um, that they are under a microscope, and they are very careful about how they do things in the world. They certainly don't want to give any more credence to this idea of big pharma, um, and they are trying to change people's minds. Thankfully, because of the speed and the accuracy with which uh, brands like uh, Pfizer, BioNTech, 
and uh, Moderna brought vaccines to the world, and especially Pfizer, who did it first, I think people began to realize that, well, big pharma does have its place, doesn't it? Um, And people have started to realize that while these brands may be powerful, that allows those brands to do something powerful in the world of of people all over, you know, planet Earth. And that's really come through. So, but you're right, of course, it's mixed. People don't know whether to love, you know, big pharma or hate big pharma. It goes back and forth. I think at the moment, people are a little bit more in love than they used to be because of everything that's happened with COVID and how these vaccines have, have literally saved the lives of literally millions and millions of people all over the entire planet. Um, in healthcare, the truth is we can do so much for people who are living with the burden of a life-changing condition. We can go way beyond treating their disease to treating the parts of their lives that matter most, that may be broken due to their condition. We have the opportunity in healthcare to elevate a person's entire experience with their disease. Um, For example, uh, people with Alzheimer's, you know, there there hasn't really been a cure um, and certainly nothing uh, at the moment. There's been many medicines, but none of them have really been effective. Um, But maybe until there's a cure, we can help be somebody's memory. Uh, we could help someone tell a story. Um, even after their speech has abandoned them, we could capture their life's lessons, their legacy for their children and their children's children. We have the technology to do it. Um, and in fact, that's an idea that, you know, someone I'm working with right now is, is actually trying to bring to fruition. You see, even before there is a medicine for some diseases, we can still offer a human kind of treatment to people in pain. This is meaningful work. This is the purpose of every brand, to add some kind of meaning, some value, and um, represent, the brand should represent something good in people's lives. Because that's a good point. I mean, you know, health care and farm brands almost have to rebuild trust with the public. If you think about it, 60 or 70 years ago, you know, you had diphtheria and polio, and, and no one was saying, I'm not going to take that, that uh, <laughs> um you know, that vaccine um, that everyone was saying we're absolutely going to take it. So so that brings me on to the next question. You know, um, healthcare has become increasingly more politically divisive, you know, and the, particularly during COVID, because a lot of people are anti-vaxxers, right? And, you know, what do you, how do you think they should address that? Because, again, it seems to be a trust issue within the, the industry because, um, 60 or 70 years ago, you probably didn't have that issue. If someone said you've got to take the, the polio vaccine, you probably were going to take it. Well, I think uh, marketers have to float above the divisiveness. Uh, we yeah. have one duty, one mission, right, to either help improve lives or save them. For us who work in healthcare, whether we're on the advertising side, um, whether we're marketers, whether we're physicians, uh, nurses, and so on, for the most part, there's no division amongst us. We will actually have the same mission, which is to help the people who are suffering. That's, that's the mission. In terms of divisiveness, I don't think healthcare created that at all. <laughs> you know, that came from a few um, not very wise politicians. Right. That that did not come from. If anything, I, I think healthcare is trying to heal the divide. We're trying to say, 
Um, you know, if you look at what Pfizer's tagline is, it was science for all, right? Right. The idea, I think, is, you know, the vaccines weren't created for one particular kind of person, were they, right? The COVID vaccine was created for everyone who needed it. And it was another group of people that decided, ooh, even though it's made for us, we don't want it. So the uh, divisiveness is outside of healthcare, and I think we float above it. We have to. Right. And that's a, that's a good point. But there's also things like, you know, the, the, the opioid crisis, which have, have created distrust within pharma. Um, so so that's part of it. Right. I mean, there is a general feeling that that uh, some some healthcare um, companies are not really looking after their, their customers or their, their um, mm. you know, their patients. I mean, I, I can only speak really for my admittedly very small circle, you know, the community I live in, the friends I hang out with. And I do know that their opinion of Big Pharma has changed radically. Um, since COVID began and, and my group of friends, my community, the people I mix with, were all in, you know, we were terrified. Um, I lost two members of my family to COVID. I almost lost another 13 members of my family to COVID. I had friends in London who had most of their friends, even in their, in their early 40s and healthy and affluent, in, in hospital beds because of COVID. And then along came the vaccine. Let me tell you, there was gratefulness. There was an outcry of, thank God for this. And so that was not a small thing. I think in that moment, certainly not for everyone, but for some, that scepticism about big pharma was put to rest. Everyone understood it's the word big in big pharma that actually made it possible. The technology, the resources, the number of people all were put to work on this and made sure at the same time that no corners were cut because coming up with a vaccine that, God forbid, did harm and didn't work would do them no good. They made sure that corners weren't cut. And so we end up in um, this world where, yeah, there's divisiveness, but those who get it, um, I don't think they're uh, as sceptical of Big Pharma as much as they used to be. Right. No, that's fair. And, and I think, I think yeah, you're right. I think yeah. people's opinion of Big Pharma has changed for the better during COVID because they've all worked together. Yeah. And, and, uh, they're, they're saying thank heaven for Big Pharma right now. At least my group is. I can't speak for everyone. Um so let's talk about brand purpose. Everyone's like, like I said, everyone's been talking about it. And every the other thing everyone always talks about now is data and measuring everything. Um, do you think there's a real way to measure the effect of brand purpose and successful brand purpose? I mean, you know, there, there is a book called Lying with Stats. I always say, ask people about that. <laughs> and I always question people yeah. who are like banging on about their KPIs and ROIs. And I'm like, well, where did those really come from? You know, and how do they they make make decisions on those KPIs because half of the time, you know, I've been in the middle of it, you know, someone will get some random focus group and then they'll say that that shows that what we're doing is the right thing. And it's, you know, the focus group isn't enough of a um, a, a measure because you probably need to talk to a hundred thousand people and they're not going to do that. So, so how do, how do we measure this stuff effectively? You know, that's, that's always the question for me. It's a really good question, actually. Um, I hope somebody can. 
I hope someone who's really, really good at this sort of thing can actually put numbers on it because then I think it might help convince more people to go um, to go for brand purpose. I think I think there is a way to measure brand preference. And the reason I mention that is that, um, and obviously I am not a numbers person, I'm a creative, but I would say this, when a brand becomes affiliated or, or rather associated with kindness, honesty, compassion, empathy, and pra- in other words, practical help for those who hurt and for those who heal, meaning doctors and nurses and so on, the effect is profound. People in healthcare professionals will always prefer, and there's your number, right? That's brand preference. People in healthcare professionals will prefer such a brand over any other. And that feeling will not only be for now, it'll extend to the future indications that that brand will bring out. So I believe that if we can improve people's lives, not just sell them a medicine, but actually examine their lives and not just the journey, but the parts of their lives that are hurting, um, whether, as I said, it's the, the furniture in their house, it's the paperwork, it's their relationships, whatever it might be, people will have a different feeling about that brand. It will change how they feel about it and they will prefer it. And that's really true of physicians, I think. That's true. I mean, it's it's a bit like the difference between Lyft and Uber, right? Because young people just wanted mm-hmm. to support Lyft yep. because they felt they were, they were more progressive than Uber. And it's, it's things like that. Yeah. You know, which, which, it, and I'm one of those people. I use Lyft over Uber now all the time. Yeah, I do too. Um, so, so which brings me on to the long-term thing. Do you, do you think brand purpose is a fad? Do you think it's here to stay? What do you think the future of, of brand purpose looks like? Oh, that's a cool question. Um, I think the ideal of a brand um, having to play a meaningful part in people's lives is actually still in its infancy because many brands have not really embraced the importance of their brand's experience in the lives of those they created the treatments for. A lot of brands are still selling, and sometimes they're not serving a person's individual needs. The philosophy of a brand having human purpose is still uh, under construction, if you will. It needs to let go of selling and fully embrace the act of serving, 100%. I believe the only way the future and lasting health of any brand can be assured is if that brand very humbly serves the needs of those who hurt and those who heal. That's good. I like it. So so thank you, Oj. It's been wonderful. Um, good to chat with you again. And thank you for coming on as a guest. And have a lovely day. Thank you. You too. And uh, I, I really envy you in sunny Los Angeles as I sit here in snowy New York. Enjoy that sun. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.